I'm Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 55. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, tonight I thought I would sit down with you, as I've done with so many young women over the years, and talk about what it looks like to have a quiet time, what it looks like to meet with God every day. Um, I've been a Christian now for, I don't know, 45, close to maybe 50 years, and I have pretty much had a quiet time every day of those 50 years. And that sounds like, how did I ever do that? But I, I thought I'd start with sharing a story that really imprinted me on my journey with the Lord as a brand new Christian. Some of you know that I came to the Lord during the Jesus movement and lived at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa out in California. And on Tuesday nights, we had classes that you could pick. We went to church every night of the week by choice. Nobody made us, but we just, and boy, you better be on time or you wouldn't get a seat or you wouldn't get in. And we were sitting on the floor and everywhere you could sit in this very large sanctuary because nobody wanted to miss. It was the place to be and so joyful and fun. But on Tuesday nights, rather than just having a Bible study as we did every night, you know, one night would be Corinthians, one night would be Hebrews, one night would be the epistles of John or whatever it would be. And then Pastor Chuck would go through the entire Bible on Sunday night, sometimes five to 10 chapters in one night as he started in Genesis and went all the way through Revelation. But on Tuesday night, excuse me, Um, we had a choice of different things we could attend, and I wanted to be with Pastor Romaine. Pastor Romaine had been a drill surgeon in the Marines, and he was tough, but we knew that he loved us. And so I went to his class on Tuesday nights, and one night we're in a classroom, and a young man raises his hand and he says, Pastor Romaine, I am just really struggling in my life. I I go to work, and I come home at night, and I read my Bible, and I pray, and I get up and go to work, and I come home, and Romaine just said, stop right there. And he went up to the blackboard, and he wrote a big AM, and he wrote a big PM. And he said, this is you. And he takes this great big chalk and he starts marking the board. And he goes, all day long, the world walks all over you. And then you come home and you read your Bible and you pray and you go to bed. And next morning you get up and all day long, the world walks all over you. And then he takes his chalk and he crosses out PM and he goes, not PM people. And then he circles AM really, really large. And he goes, AM. And he said to us, don't let your feet touch the ground in the morning before you have met with God. And there I was, you know, just a brand new Christian straight out of the world. And I just remember going, I get it. I get it. And from that day on, I got it. 
And so no matter what, I always say to people, if the house is burning, I would say to the firemen, I'll be with you as soon as I've read the scripture. It's just so much a part of who I am and it has shaped my entire Christian life. And so over the years, I've tried lots of different ways to have a quiet time, and I'm going to share some tips and things I've learned along the way. First of all, I want to talk to you about your actual Bible. You know, in America, our problem is we have too many Bibles and too many options. And so we don't really own our Bible, our personal Bible. Ruth Bell Graham, who I was so influenced by when she was alive used to her bible was so used that the pages were falling out but she wouldn't dare replace it because of all the notes and and how personal the the bible had her personal bible had been to her and so she took a belt that she you know wore on her clothes and she cut it and she put the belt around the Bible so to hold it together and she called it her Bible belt and that's what I love and she used to say a Bible that is falling apart is seldom owned by someone whose life is so if your Bible is falling apart your life won't be because you've been reading it so much and using it and we were always taught as new Christians underlined and take notes and mark up your Bible. It's the sword of God. It's a tool that you use and it needs to be personalized so that when you're witnessing to someone and you want to find a scripture, you know, oh, it's on the page where there's the little tea stain or where my child scribbled in the corner or whatever. Your Bible needs to become like a really good pair of running shoes that you just feel like they're like part of your skin and and that's how your Bible needs to be. And I like to personalize my Bibles and I, I just love having a Bible that I use every day, the same one. So right now I, and I like big print because I'm old, you may not need, but get print that is comfortable. Some of these mini Bibles or heaven forbid, not using your phone. What on earth? You need a, an embodied Bible. You need to see it and smell it and love it. And it needs to get worn out and marked and underlined and owned. And I took um, my latest Bible that I've been using the last few years. It's brown leather and spend some money on your Bible. This one's goat skin and it, you know, it's, it's really a good quality because once you own a Bible and use it so much, you don't want it, you know, to just the cover to fall off and all that. But it was so boring looking. It's brown and it has ribbons, which, you know, are great. Um, but I painted a tree of life on the leather to make it more mine, more personal, more special. And um, so underline, mark it, take notes. So if you leave it behind, everyone will say, oh, that's Susie's Bible. We know who that is. And of course, put your name and your phone number and maybe even a reward if this is found so that you know that you will never lose it. And then I use Prismacolor pencils, which are um, coloring pencils that artists, professional artists use for illustration. I use usually like a red, but sometimes I use blue or green or flesh color is a great underliner. It doesn't go through the pages and it doesn't smear. So I usually keep a Prismacolor pencil in my Bible at all times. And then over the years, I tried to find a, a reading um, 
program that would work. Most Many people in the evangelical world historically, maybe not anymore, used the model of Robert Murray McShane, a Scotch evangelist and pastor that had a, he was an amazing man of God. And he had a way where you read the New Testament, I forget if it's two or three times every year, and the Old Testament once a year, and you read through the Psalms every month, and he has, you know, a really demanding course of study for your Bible reading plan. And for me, because I'm more of a contemplative in my spiritual leanings, I like to meditate on the scripture, really kind of chew on it, let it wash over me. I like to sit with it. And so for me, it's just too much. I feel like I'm drinking out of a fire hydrant trying to use Robert Murray McShane. But I've tried lots of different methods. And about, oh, maybe 20 years ago, some friends of mine, uh, Michelle Van Loon, the author, the Christian author, and her sweet husband, who are both Jewish in background and love Jesus as their Messiah, Uh, They told me about a reading plan that they were using called the Daily Devotional Guide, the St. James Daily Devotional Guide for the Christian Year. I call it the St. James Method. And it's a um, ministry in Chicago of people from different denominations, and it's headed up by a very, very respected and well-known theologian named Patrick Henry Reardon. Patrick Henry Reardon, and he's head of the Fellowship of St. James. And what this is, it is a lectionary method. And I'll read you a little bit of what they say on the front cover of it. And it comes out quarterly, and it's very inexpensive. It's $20 a year, and if you go in with a group of people, it's $15 a year. And it comes four times a year to your door. And it says this, the traditional lectionaries or systematic readings of Holy Scripture are of two kinds. One is Lectio Continua, which means reading a given book of the Bible straight through, or number two, Lectio Selecta, which means that you read particular readings for particular days or special reasons. Both methods are inherited from Judaism and have been in constant use among Christians from the beginning. So if you are a user of the Book of Common Prayer, they use this method in the Book of Common Prayer in the Anglican Church. Uh, The author says, Believers have long been persuaded that a judicious combination of the two methods constitutes, excuse me, the best approach to reading Holy Scripture. If we were to use only the first method, for example, we might find that our Bible reading on Christmas or Easter concerned Samson's various fights with the Philistines, making us wonder if this were something of a distraction. So we pick specific readings suitable to those special days, Lectio Selecta. Similarly, if we constantly pick selections from the Bible and always read them apart from their context without the biblical canon, we'd eventually lose touch with the integrity of various biblical books as such. So there's a distinct advantage in reading, say, the book of Genesis or Daniel or Mark straight through in order to grasp it in its fullness, Lectio Continua. And so Patrick Henry Reardon has done that. So every um, year you read the New Testament straight through, and every two years you read the Old Testament 
straight through. And so let me just explain. So today, for example, um, in the morning reading, you're supposed to read Matthew 17, 14 through 21. So you always read a gospel, always one of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. You read one of those, uh, depending on the part of the year. And then you read an epistle always. So this morning was Romans 10, 14 through 21. And then you read Psalms in the morning. So this morning was Psalm 18, 1 through 19. And then there's a little cross. And then the evening Psalm will be 18, 20 through 50. So it's a longer Psalm, so they divide it in half. And then your evening reading, if you choose to do a morning and an evening, would be Proverbs 17. So what I like to say to people is at least read the gospel. It's always just a, not even a chapter. It's, you know, just a section of the chapter. And the next day you pick up where you left off and you go consistently through the gospel. And then I say to them, and maybe read one psalm a day. And then if you feel confident doing that, then also add your um, epistle. And then if you really become a power hitter, then you can also read your chapter of the Old Testament. And it's recommended that you read that in the evening before you go to bed. Or sometimes I'll just read a whole bunch of that at once. Like today, I read several chapters of the book of Proverbs because I wasn't in a hurry. And so I wanted to kind of catch up with my Old Testament reading. So you can make this serve you. Don't feel condemned. Don't feel judged. And if you've fallen behind, sometimes just pick up on the date that it is and don't worry. And then if you have some extra time, maybe you can go back and catch up. But this is not meant to shame you or guilt you. It's just to keep you moving and keep get that big picture of the scripture instead of playing Russian roulette in the morning and just opening your Bible like it's a fortune cookie. That is not the way to grow in Christ. So I love this. I'm going to give you their um, information so that you and your friends, I love it that sometimes my different friends who I've mentored over the years or just my peers and, and contemporaries, we're all reading St. James. So um, I'll call up someone and say, you know, this Psalm and they'll be like, I just read it or, you know, so we can share in reading the scripture together. It's fun to do, of course, with your spouse or um, a group of friends, maybe your small group could all subscribe. So um, the publisher's phone number, <clears throat> excuse me, is 773-481-1090. 773-481-1090. And it's called The Fellowship of St. James. And their website is fsj.org. Fellowshipstjames.org. FSJ. Org. And you will thank me later. It will bring, <clears throat> excuse me, consistency and order and um, just a real pattern in your life instead of just jumping from pillar to post, which is not the way to grow in Christ. Isn't it wonderful to hear from homeschool graduates who can walk and chew gum at the same time? Oftentimes, we envision homeschool as especially beneficial in the early years when children are young. We forget that homeschooling during the teen years can be even more beneficial. These years with our children are what I call the golden years. 
What do you want your children to look like when they're 18 or 21? What you do with them when they're two or three or four years old will be affected by this long-term vision. That's why I wrote my seminar, Begin with the End in Mind. On April 17th, I will be teaching Begin with the End in Mind in a live webinar. The replay will be available for two weeks after the live event, and the handouts you receive are yours forever. Though this seminar is all about homeschool for junior high and high school, this is the seminar I want everyone to hear, regardless of their children's ages. Register by April 10th to receive an early bird discount. Don't wait till your children are getting ready for college to attend this seminar. You will benefit from this information even in the earliest days of homeschooling. Now back to the show. And then I thought I'd share with you some different translations that I really love. And I like to keep them next to me. So when I'm reading, I personally, just a little secret about me, I uh, was taught the King James Bible as a new believer at Calvary Chapel. And it is the Bible that I have memorized and that I have sung uh, because all we did in the early years of the Jesus movement was we sang scripture and um, verbatim from the King James Bible, just that the young guys and gals would write songs and then they'd teach it to us. We didn't have overheads. We didn't have songbooks. We just memorized this, the scripture as we sang with, you know, long-haired kids in, in guitars and overalls, but they were teaching us the scripture. And 45 years later, I can still quote verbatim everything that we sang. So I love the King James Bible. It's the Bible that I know by heart. But if I'm reading it and I come across some antiquated writing and I'm like, I, I need some light on this, then I might pull out my um, ESV, which I consider the most accurate translation and uh, very contemporary translation, the English Standard Version owned by Crossway Publishers. And there are many beautiful editions that Crossway has created of the ESV. And then if you're wanting something else that's very accurate. I look for Bibles traditionally that are word-by-word translations. Um, I want my Bible to be as accurate as possible, and so the ESV is a word-by-word, not a phrase-by-phrase, and also the New American Standard Version, uh, which predated the ESV. It is probably my second or third favorite version of the Bible the New American Standard, and I love it, and it is a word-by-word translation as well. And then if you're wanting something that's a little bit simpler, probably my favorite translation, particularly to read with children, is called the Everyday Bible. That's what it's printed under, but the actual translation is the New Century Version. The New Century Version, and it's written on, I believe, a fourth grade reading level, and I love it, and it is a translation, not a paraphrase. And then if you're wanting something really creative to help you think outside the box, every Christian should own a copy of J.B. Phillips' translation 
of the New Testament in modern English, and you can buy it very inexpensively used. He started by writing the epistles, and it was called Letters to Young Churches, and eventually he did the Gospels, and then he combined them to the New Testament in modern English. So you can get different things. J.B. Phillips also wrote a book that's fabulous called Your God is Too Small. Um, He was a British pastor. So get some other translations so that when you're kind of maybe in a rut with the translation that you use every day, it's great to have a couple other. And when I teach Bible study, I love that the women just tend to bring all different versions. And then when we go around taking turns reading, and then I teach, and then they read some more, and then they then I teach. Um, when we come across something that sounds a little different or interesting, I'll say, well, what translation is that? And they'll tell me and I'll say, well, who has something different than that? Let's compare. And it's so fun to compare the different versions. I, In the olden days of the Jesus movie, many of us had parallel Bibles, which had two or three versions of the Bible on the same page. And I loved that. I don't see those around as much nowadays. I don't think people are scholarly as, as we used to be, um, sadly. But I love the idea of a parallel Bible where you have a a very simple translation and then one more uh, complex, a little bit more advanced, and you can, you know, compare and, and contrast. Then I think it's helpful to have some Bible study aids, and you don't have to make yourself crazy with this. Don't overwhelm yourself. But probably the first and the simplest book that Pastor Chuck always recommended to every new believer is Haley's Bible Handbook. H-A-L-L-E-Y-S, Haley's Bible Handbook, and it is like a miniature commentary on the entire Bible, and every new believer should have a copy of it. It's marvelous, and there's a section on how we got our Bible, there's a section on church history, there's a section on archaeology, and then an abbreviated Bible commentary. And then one of the most famous books ever written about the Bible and one of the best selling is written by my friend. I, of course, I never met her, but I consider her my friend, Henrietta Mears. And I've done a podcast on Miss, Miss Mears or teacher, as everyone called her. Um, but she wrote one of the best selling books on the Bible called What the Bible is All About. Um, it sold over 3 million copies. And it is a must. So it has a basic guide to every book of the Bible. It gives you a reading plan. It has maps and charts and photos and illustrations. And it will whet your appetite to take um, your Bible reading to a real systematic level. And then probably if I only could recommend one book for you as a Bible guide or, or aid, I would say everyone needs to own a Strong's exhaustive concordance of the Bible. And don't feel exhausted when I tell you about it, but Strong's, uh, Professor Strong created this before the computer, if you can imagine this, and he goes through every word in the Bible. And um, so if you come across, let's say you want to study about um, gentleness, You look under G for the word gentleness, and it will show you from Genesis to Revelation any time that that word is used. And then in the back of the concordance, of course, you can look all those up in your Bible and see the context of those. And then in the back, it has 
the Greek words that are found in the scripture and the Hebrew words that are found in the scripture. And then as you look um, down, it will tell you, you know, uh, what. So let's say, um, here, I'm turning to it right now. Okay, so right now I'm in the Hebrew. And you look up a Hebrew word, which has a number next to it. Now the number goes with the English so that when you're reading about gentleness and it'll give you a number, then you can look it up in the Hebrew. And then you can also, toward the back, be, behind the Hebrew, you can look it up in the English, excuse me, in the, in the Greek. So when you're teaching Bible study, you can say, well, this is the Greek word, such and such, or this is the, the Hebrew word, such and such. And so it gives you an edge without having studied Hebrew and Greek, not that you shouldn't, but if you feel like, oh my goodness, that's a little over my head, at least it gives you a knowledge of what the actual Greek word is and where else it's used. So you can start to say, well, that's only used two other places in the whole New Testament. And, and it gives you an insight into what that word means. And then it gives you the definition from the Hebrew or from the Greek the definition is in English. So it's a marvelous tool. So if you want to do a word study, that's a different type of Bible study. You're not just reading a book of the Bible, but you're reading through the Bible where um, a word has been used. And it really gives you an insight. Um, and then I was going to recommend uh, Vine's Expository Dictionary, which is a complete expository exposure to both the Old and New Testaments. And it's uh, keyed to Strong's reference numbers. So they work together and also keys you to major lexicons as you get more um, sophisticated in your Bible study. And if you ever were to study exegesis, which is the study of the scripture in its original language, to exegete Homer would be to study Greek. So then you could read Homer in the original language. So that's way down the line, but let's just aim for a quiet time every morning and start there. So let's start small with new beginning, um, not despising the day of new beginnings. And then a couple really helpful books. One is called How to Pray by R.A. Torrey. R.A. Torrey, you may have heard me speak about the Torrey Honors Program at Biola, uh, which is a great books curriculum. It's named for R.A. Torrey, the great evangelist and um, wonderful Bible teacher. And he wrote a book called How to Pray. And then he also wrote, and they're little bitty books, so they're not thick and intimidating. This one is even littler, and it's called How to Study the Bible by R.A. Torrey. So those are two super simple books that will get you started. And then if you want a commentary, I really love Warren Wearsby's commentaries on um, the Old and New Testament, and they're called the Bible Exposition Commentary. The Bible Exposition Commentary by Warren Wearsby. So I want to just challenge you, even if it's 15 minutes, even if you're nursing your baby or uh, while you're waiting for the oatmeal to absorb the liquid or, um, you know, while your kids are making their beds and getting dressed, um, however you have to make it work. Ideally, of course, it would be great to get up before your children and have your quiet time in complete silence. But let's face it, sometimes that just doesn't work out when you've got a little baby. Um, I do recommend that you teach your children that unless there's smoke or blood, they don't interrupt 
while you're having your quiet time and that they need to know what they're doing. You know, if they're old enough to make their beds and maybe do a buddy system so that you're not interrupted. You have your olders and your youngers and you say, have you and your buddy made your beds? Have you and your buddy gotten dressed? Have you and your buddy brushed your teeth? Then you may go in the kitchen and start getting breakfast ready and I'll be in, you know, after my quiet time. And so you're modeling for your children what this looks like. And when I say go get breakfast ready, it can be as simple as homemade granola and maybe some yogurt or almond yogurt or almond milk or whatever you use, fresh fruit, you know, even fairly young children can pull that together and get it ready for you when you walk in so that you're training your kids that mommy or daddy, we meet with God every morning and we get our marching orders and it's like we're getting dressed in our spiritual armor so that then we can be the best mom and dad, the best worker for maybe daddy's leaving the house every morning, but we are meeting with God first. And we love you children, but we have to put first things first. And then the rest of our day, second things will follow. So I hope this is helpful. It's just a very quick overview on having a a quiet time. But so many of the women that I consult with, and I'm sure the men don't admit it to me, but very often when I'm working just alone with a mom, she'll say to me, "I, I don't know how to have a quiet time. What does that look like? And so I just felt like it was time to give you some pointers, some tips Because, you know, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Don't feel like you have to be doing this for, you know, hours a day. But, you know, setting a timer for 15 minutes a day, anyone can find that and and make it work for their family. And again, I can remember, you know, nursing and doing this or, you know, watching our son in the high chair and smiling at him and waving as he's, you know, eating his yogurt or whatever. And I would just sit and read my Bible and smile at him and say, is that good? And then I, and you know, just modeling that this is what we value. This is how we start our day with God every day. And then from there, you do Bible with the children and read Catherine Voss or, you know, whatever you're choosing to do, Sally Lloyd-Jones. But this way, you fed yourself. It's kind of like putting your oxygen mask on in the airplane before you put your children's on. I think you will tell me that this was the turning point when you finally got the spiritual discipline in place that you meet with God before you meet with others. So hope this is helpful. Thank you for joining me this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating and a review on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help too. Visit my website, caroljoyside.com to subscribe to our weekly email and receive an exclusive discount in my online store where seminars and interviews are available. Be sure to tune in next week for my next episode where I help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Blessings.